I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A grain of rice. A grain of rice. If you want to tip the scale, just remember that then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show us. Then we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. Uh, hi folks, how y'all? Um, hard to believe we're at the 24th day of June. You know, a lot of people, I think, have found that the year has really been slow with lockdown and everything else. But uh, for me, I just individually, uh, I, 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 I find it incredible that we're nearly uh, into July. You know, it's just uh, gone so quickly in my mind. Maybe, maybe it's the age I'm at. Uh, you're welcome to this week's Irish Examiner uh, Hurling Podcast. We're back to hurling as well. Uh, we, we've dabbled in a bit of horse racing and a bit of uh, Gaelic football, even with the bomber listing. That's allowed, I suppose, uh, but delighted to be joined today, be my old pal, uh, sparring partner and everything else. Um, Boar's finest, Offaly's finest, Dahi Regan. Dahi, how the hell are you? Hello, privileged to, to join with you. Yeah, absolutely thrilled to be here. Good man, good man. Live and healthy, thanks be to God. Yeah, and like, on that day, you're obviously in the office there. I mean, listeners won't see us uh, because we it's an audio piece, but we can see each other. But you, uh, you're back at EJ Solutions and uh, you, you're flat to the mat, I'd say, are you? Yeah, we shut down. Uh, like, like everybody else, Friday night, the 27th of March, came as an absolute massive shock, and I will never forget it. Um I was sitting down watching news. I was flicking through the phone and I could see in the RT app that there was a RT shock was given a live conference uh, expected in the next 10 minutes. So we tuned in. My partner's a, a nurse. We tuned in to see what it was. We had, we had been having an absolutely savage year, a huge year to date, ahead of budget, everything going fine, um, meeting all the protocols and keeping people safe as best we could. And it was an absolute bombshell to find out what, what landed for us and for everybody else, I guess. So we spent all day Saturday uh, on the phone with my management team. And uh, we had to ring 42 people, basically, to say our facility wouldn't open on Monday. We didn't feel there was anything in the roadmap at that particular time that warranted our business opening. So it was a difficult weekend. So, so basically what happened was we, we were contacted then by, uh, by, by our biggest customer, who advises, I guess, we were contractually, contractually obliged to meet the requirements that they had. So we very we, we opened the following week. It was uh, two on the, on the admin side and a few came into the production side. And we, we were exporters, so we had a couple of clients in, in Scandinavia and Germany that were deemed uh, as essentials in the battle against COVID-19. So we picked up from that, and it's just incrementally got busier and busier. And, and, and thankfully, with the return on the 18th of May, uh, of the CIF and contractors, that's that's just uh, accelerated um, us from a, we have two manufacturing facilities here in Boris. So thanks be to God, it's been it's been very very good. But like everybody else in our industry and associated industries, 
We expect uh, kind of a busy quarter three, but we just really don't know what to expect for quarter four and, and going, going on because house bills are going to be down 50%. And so there's going to be collateral damage. We, we, we all know that. So we, we can't look too far into the future. We just got to deal with what we have now. But keeping our people safe and, and, and healthy is, our, is an absolutely number one priority. And to date, we've done that. And Dahi, just to expand a tiny bit on it now, what do you do exactly? You make kind of metal protective equipment for various industries. Would that be right, would it? No, that'd be totally wrong, Dale. You have done, no, done no background on us whatsoever. <laughs> I, I thought you did. I, I actually thought I did. <laughs> no, no, no I, I, I won't go too deep in it because I'm sure listeners aren't, aren't really interested stick, in stick nano to the, covers. Stick to the fucking horror, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, hey, limited, I'm, good, limited, I, I'm limited on that as well. <laughs> it was a good stab, to be honest with you. Metal protection, no, it sounds like form of contraception or something <laughs> uh, but no we were, we're actually we were formerly cabinet foundry here in borough we were the last pouring uh iron foundry uh in ireland and we we were acquired in 1999 2000 by a private family fifth generation malpass family out of the states who are foundry people so what we are is we're manufacturers of access covers and frames so in borough we have two facilities we we are the european manufacturing hub for composite covers and frames, and we also have a specialized bespoke fabrication facility as well. So we 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 our core business is ductile covers and frames, and these are manufactured in our, our foundry in France. So it's a busy industry, yeah. Thanks be to God. So I hope that gives well, you some background as to what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, after telling me all that, I, I feel I wasn't far off the mark there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, all people out there that want any of that stuff that he mentioned there, uh, that he's available. I have his number anyway, lads. You, you can get it through the Irish examiner there. We, we'll pass it on for you, like, you know, do we, you be any good. Anyway, look, how did you find a few weeks of doing nothing and not able to play a game of golf and um, anything like that? I know we good weather. Yeah, well, actually... You obviously weren't listening at the start, Dale. I was only, I, I was working from home. Yeah, not as long, and, we, and we were back, but like, it was very, very busy from the point of view of putting structures in place. Oh, yeah. um, our, our, our core, what drives us and our priority is about people, welfare, etc. So we were putting in place the, the, the in our facilities, everything that, that allowed us bring incrementally more and more people back. And with that comes a responsibility because people's welfare and health all of a sudden, from it, it's always been there with us from a health and safety point of view, and we put a huge value on quality, uh, safety, and envir- environment. But I, I suppose, from my perspective, I felt more of a responsibility because now it was really about people's health, and been been really responsible for that. And, and I wanted us, along with my colleagues here, to make sure we could do that. And thankfully, we, we we've done it. So that brought a that brought a pressure. I have to say, when you have that that added responsibility, but. The golf I absolutely missed, yeah, because you're leaving here, you're going home, it's pretty stressful. My partner's a nurse, she's coming home and she's looking and dealing with, you know, she's in the belly of the beast in there, like like so many of our, our, our uh, you know, guards, nurses, etc. So that was pretty stressful. And not, not having an outlet, Dalo, was you became accustomed to it. So what you don't have after a period of time, you don't miss but I remember the first day golf open, myself, Mike Dignan, and a friend of ours went out. And it's the strangest thing in life where you walk around the golf course. I, I, I'd be a fierce man during the summer for going out at 5 a.m. in the morning and playing nine holes. 
And I've learned over the last number of years as I get older to put a value on my health more on nature and the beauty that surrounds us. And people might find that a bit strange and funny, but I guess as you get older, you do have different values. And I remember walking down the first and second fairways with, with Mike and, and, and our pal that day and genuinely just looking around at the beauty. It was a lovely day, the beauty of the course, and been thankful that we were healthy enough to enjoy it, uh, healthy physically and healthy mentally as well, because God knows enough people were suffering in, in every other way. So my partner's not exactly happy because, as she says, you know, you're golfing two nights a week and twice at the weekends, and, and I am. And you could argue it's a bit selfish, but it's such a release for me, Anthony. It's such a release. Um, and I golf with Joe Dooley, Johnny Dooley, Dighton, and there's a core of nine of us. And we're on a, a WhatsApp group, and we, we we record all our scores, and it's brilliant banter on the day. But like I say, for us, having that outlet, there's a hell of a lot of people that don't have an, an outlet, and I live with that. So well, I'm way more cognizant now of, of I suppose, what's, what goes on in life and health and that. Yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't played golf in nearly two years and I have to say I have this will be my fourth Wednesday evening in a row yeah. with Fergie, with Fergie Tuohy and the local yeah. parish priest here uh, Peter Lachlan who's a good hurling man and, and uh, Jesus I've loved it actually even Wouldn't though you? the golf has been absolute shite <laughs> compared, compared to yourself and Dignan like I'd say it has been just chronic Dignan is playing a level of golf at the moment that's quite extraordinary his last four rounds were 41, 43, 45 and 47 points playing off 12 for a, poor for, a poor, for a poor hurler now. Yeah, yeah. Fun. But he was, was, did you not think he was always a good striker left and right, no? I, uh, do you know what? I watched the 89 semi-final there the other day when he was inside full forward. You know what? I wasn't, you know, I thought you were way more effective at 11 and he bought young young lads at the time, like, you know. You know, we were, well, actually, the funny thing about it, Dalo, was myself and Dignan, after we won the minor All-Ireland in 1986, we got called immediately in, God be good to Georgie Lahey. Michael Dignan and I only spoke about him on Sunday morning. He brought us into the Offaly Senior setup in '86, and that was uh, like a couple of weeks after the minor All Ireland, three or four weeks afterwards. And the played Kilkenny down in uh, Nolan Park, and Dignan and I were selected as subs. It was a huge thing. Offaly, a lot of big names there from winning the All Ireland in '85, etc. And Pori Corn, who was and always will be my idol in Offaly hurling, just a wonderful man, um, had retired and was now a selector, and he was just uh, he didn't suffer fools gladly. But we were subs and we were in the dressing room and I was looking at the team sheets and I couldn't take my eyes off Jerry Henderson, centre-back, because I was centre-forward through the college's success we'd had and through the minors and under-21, I always played centre-forward and it was old-style centre-forward. It was puck it down in the big lad and he flakes timber and he breaks it and he kicks it on and he moves it on. And I kept looking at Jerry Henderson's name God, wow, because he, he was an idol of mine. He was such, such, such a great man. So... Frank Hooligan was left cornerback and he was captain. He was an army. He was an army guy. <laughs> he was a serious bit of kit. But uh, he was he was he was Kilkenny. Kilkenny left. Oh cornerback. yeah, Fr Frank trained us in the club one year actually. Yeah, he's he's a serious man. In Limerick now. Yeah, yeah. He's, been, he's, yeah. he's a member of Napierseek actually in Limerick City now. Is he really? Yeah, but he came out and no. trained us for a year. Yeah, we were beating the semi final by Bearfield, but we were probably past our best by the time Frank got us. But a good guy, good yeah. guy, real good guy. He, he was uh, he was left cornerback. He was captain at Kilkenny in '86. Galway caught him in an All Ireland semi final with playing the two man full forward line and and Cunningham as a withdrawn and Kilkenny Hulahan and Paddy Prender were the two corners. They just couldn't live with the innovation of Galway at the time, which is another day another day conversation. But in the dressing room five minutes before we went out, there was seventeen thousand in Nolan Park. Horan came over and said Declan Fogarty was cutting traffic, wasn't going to make it. You're starting right corner forward. 
right corner forward. So anyway, the Jesus. game started. We were 12 minutes in, I think, 12 or 13 minutes, and Kilkenny were five points and no score up. And a ball came in, and I picked it, turned, and put it over the bar. And I thought, what a start. And after about 20 minutes, Corey Corn came in to me, and he said, Ger Henderson is going to town. I want you to go out and give him loads of it. So for the rest of the game, I went out in Ger Henderson. And you, you know the way, kind of back then, and you, you, you heard back then as well, Dalo, I was trying, I was conscious of him not catching me looking at him because he used to wear one of these saucer kind of helmets. And the Stuart, it was, like, like, it was that. like a thing you'd cycle to school with, like. Holy Jesus. So anyway, every puck out, I swear to God, I was trying to, trying, trying to just flake as hard as I could and show him that I was a man. And he just jumped up and he caught it and he bull up the field and uh, I threw a ball up at one stage to hit him. He didn't block me down. He swung and he hit it up the field 50 yards. But I, I wasn't afraid of him, and I did what I could, and he cleaned me. But I always remember Pori Cohen coming to me in the dressing room after, and he said to me, you gave him loads of it. And that was enough for me, because I didn't. I tried hard, and I wasn't afraid of him. So I showed Horn that, that I'd come of age from the point of view, had a long way to go with filling out and being a hurler. But I, I suppose I showed him that if I, whatever else I lacked, I'd like to think I would have had a bit of courage anyway at that stage. But he's always been an idol of mine, Ger, Ger Henderson. And I've, I've marked Keady, I've marked Shawnee, Tony Lord of Mercy on him, Pat, Pat O'Neill, you know, Jim Cashman, at a time when centre-backs were icons. Yeah. And Shawnee was, I marked Shawnee many times. Um, and uh, I remember you venturing in around our area every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. you do. Do you remember the conversations we used to have, Dale? Yeah, had- yeah well, I remember, <laughs> and, and I, I'll take you on, for, before we go back to our conversations, you didn't hang around off for the '87 championship then yourself and Mister Dignan. You hit for uh, you hit for Boston the two e. We did, yeah. It was, uh, it was really strange. We, we recounted a Mike. Mike recounts it, of course. Mike recounts it his his version of it in his book. But uh, the naivety is extraordinary. My, my son has emigrated to New Zealand to play rugby, and I look at the professionalism of him compared to us back then. And Mike would have been very goal driven back then. I just wanted a hurl, to be honest with you. Um, and I, I didn't do a lot academically kind of thing. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to any – I did a false course for a small period of time. So Mike was very driven as to what he wanted. He was over to play. He was over to work hard. He was over to make money. And he was going to help fund himself through college when he came back. Um, my idea was to go over and just go to America and play hurling and have, have great crack and wild times. And did, did I did even, all that. Did you even see each other over there? <laughs> we're in the same apartment but Mike worked every day and I spent half my time just working out of his kitty because <laughs> I, I, I'd work for two days and I'd, I'd do other stuff for the other three <laughs> but it was a work but you know they're, they're life experiences I mean they're, they're life experiences and Mike and I have different personalities and we're, we're great pals and I have so much respect for him he's gone through a lot in his life but he, he's a great man and, and I love his self-confidence Mike is amazing self-confidence, and I mean that in the best possible way. He's a, and we're great pals, and to this day we are. But what I love about him, he, he's a great value on people. He's a great value on health. He's a great value on life. You know, stuff that wouldn't have been to the, f- the core of our conversations, but, like, we, we were so young and so naive back then, and I, I in particular certainly was, yeah, and I was, I was very much a homebird. I mean, if Mike's life had to have remained in Boston because there was no college, and he had to go on and make his life there. He'd have done it very successfully. And he'd ended up starting business and that. I was a lot more laissez-faire, to be honest with you, Dalo. And I just was happy to take day by day and kind of thing. And, and no worries and didn't worry about things. And all I cared about was, 
was hurling. I really did. All I, all I wanted to do was play hurling and come back and play with Borough and play with Offaly. But I was young enough at the time that I, you know, I, I knew I was always going to come back and do it. And, and I would have had that drive from that perspective. But probably for everything else, I didn't have much drive or ambition. From a livelihood point of view, I really didn't know where life was going to take me, to be honest with you, you know. Somehow that's, sometimes that's the best way though, you know, and that's, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you, you 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 land sometimes. You can't really. I'm not saying Michael would now because I know Michael as well. Yeah, has had the ups and downs of of the last business crash as well, and and yeah. has come. Yeah. And he's a great. You're right. He's he's a great sense of that belief in himself. You know that yeah. that things will come yeah. right. And it's a great gift to have. Yeah, great, great, great gift. And he's flexible. You know, like, he never, like you know. Yeah, he never loses sight of like Mike's a great people's person. I mean, he, he's just a great people's person. He cares about people. He really does. And I mean, for argument's sake, like, I mean, if you're out and it could be even someone annoying that I, that I might have less tolerance level for, he'll always give time to absolutely everybody. And, uh, you know, admire him no. for that, I have to say. No, that's not easy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I go back to one of our <laughs> folks. Uh, well, one of our later conversations on the field, Dahi, um, in February 1998, you, you, this guy that I knew well as an inter-county hurler comes on as a sub in an Ireland club semi-final. Now, I know there were two really good club teams, like, but yeah, he comes on yeah. as a sub in the middle of the field, and of course, I just can't resist. I just I just can't resist. Even though he looks in fair trim now, the reason yeah. I'm expecting him not to be starting is that he has winter too well, and... Uh, He's not fit, like you know, or else he's sick or whatever. But next thing he comes on, and I say, and now you're a sub, says I out, and I got this fucking. I'll get you before this is over. You <laughs> shut your mouth inside there. You're a sub. You're fast, fast. <laughs> is what you yeah. said to me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I was more indignant about? I was more indignant about the fact that I nearly looked at myself and went, "Fuck William, I'm after training me bollocks off for the last actually." I, I, I was uh, I was I was so upset at not starting, but you know Paggio was over us, and he was a ruthless manager. And you know I never appreciated Paggio Whelan until I was finished, and I got into management myself. Um, I thought I had a divine right to start, and I was in great shape. And Babs had taken us over, and Babs had a value on what he thought I could bring to Offaly. But to do that, I always needed to be fit because the older I got, not fit, I was pretty average you know, and maybe better than average when I was fit. But when I was 100% fit and motivated, I think the Offaly boys knew I could do a really good job in the Borough boys, not as a scorer, you know, but I would never have been afraid of taking Shawnee on and fully fit taking Shawnee out of it. If that, I, I mean, nullify him, you know. But you, you got to be at your, your peak to be able to compete with guys like that. And I was at that pitch for those games with Clare Castle. I was at that pitch, but... I'd had a bad Leinster campaign and my winter had taken place during the Leinster campaign. So I celebrated after the county final and then I'd lost my place for the Leinster club final. Rightly so. At the time, I didn't think so. thought it was better than it was. But it's only when you look back on it and, and when you're frank and honest with yourself, Padjo Whelan was absolutely right. But at that time, we, we probably didn't see eye to eye and I, I couldn't see then that I was probably the main problem, to be fair about it. So he knew I was back he knew I was back playing well, so we had a, we had murder that evening in our team hotel. I attacked one of the selectors, and then Padjo came ball-headed for me, and I actually wasn't going to turn up for the replay, which was totally wrong and totally immature. So you guys were, you, you there were great great games. You guys were giving us so much of it in the replay, and at halftime, I think we were five points down, and uh, five or six down, and pa Padjo, I was calling in at halftime, and I sulked. 
in the dressing room at half time and I thought in my own head I was in a good place in relation to what I was going to do in the second half I thought I'm going to change this around but I still couldn't separate my thoughts to Paggio that I should have started we wouldn't be in this mess if he had started me but anyway that's a very selfish attitude but that comes with immaturity I guess so anyway things went well and it was a battle in the second half and I, I always remember an incident that happened in the second half you remember you were marking Scorch Darren Hannafy Oh, Jesus, yeah. He scored me. And yeah. he was doing well. He was really fast. He was doing was. really fast. And you yeah. started on to me again in the replay about you're only a sub, you're only a sub. And I remember shouting over to you, you're getting cleaned by a junior hurler. And Hanafi <laughs> turned around. Hanafi turned around and he looked at me indignantly. He went, I'm not a junior. I went, oh, Jesus, Darren, for fuck's sake, will you just go along with it? Like, you know, and you looked at me and you winked and you laughed. And that was kind of the way it would have been, I felt, with you. I mean, you, you, I often talk to Johnny Dooley about, about you because Johnny also does a lot. And I say, and would he, would he always chat to you? Why is he fucking, he never stopped. He never stopped. He kept fucking chatting to me. And he said, like, it wasn't abusive, like, but. Oh, he never said anything abusive, no, no, Johnny. No, no, I know that. It was chat and you kind of go, I got that because even even in the last minute of the All Ireland '95, like you know, when when who was down injured? Was it Tuts was down Uber, injured? Someone was down Uber, injured. You were down Uber. injured. You were getting ready to take the free in that, and it's the kind of thing that went. And I I wouldn't have had a problem doing it with guys. Like I never would have had a problem with it or chatting or stuff that was said. But like back then, there was no what they call you know the way. But I, like even you see. I, I would have looked at the likes of Tyrone over the years and all this stuff, and I would have listened to it, and I would have gone, what the fuck are guys on about here? So what if a guy's in your ear? Cut the fuck on. So what? If a guy has enough confidence in his own ability to spend half his time thrown in your ear and he still thinks he can do a job, well, I don't have a problem with that. Now, I don't know the levels that stuff goes to, and I'm not... Yeah, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, that's yeah. the thing that I like. Once it doesn't go... Family, yeah, like that. yeah. Do you know, uh, yeah, 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 I take your yeah. point fully. I agree with that, but I wouldn't have a problem. I mean, there would have been different stuff said, and for God's sake, Almighty, tonight it was nothing harmless. And sometimes it was actually a bit of crack. Like what happened with us and those couple of snippets in those two games with Clare Castle was a uh, stuff that I remember to this day. And I recount over points, and they look on me. Bastard and actually <laughs> caught you with a lovely shoulder after. Do you remember? You rolled a ball and you picked it, and just as you were coming up, I knew free, but fuck me, this is a free. I'm so happy to give away. And as you came up, I met you straight down the middle, and I absolutely oh. left you in a heap. And of course, there was a free, and you got up and you kind of went for Canadian or something like that. But stuff like that. I, I, I've been reading what you've been doing lately, and 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 about the older ways and the older days, and kind of look at it and go, yeah. A lot's changed, and I don't want to be considered no footy duty or anything like that, but there's a lot good about what's there now, a huge amount. And some of the games are extraordinary, but some of the games are piss poor to look at now. Yeah, there's some stuff yeah. that, that, that you wouldn't be in love with, I suppose. We yeah, really overplay at the moment. You know what I remember distinctly about um, you shouting across that you're being cleaned by a junior hurler. Aaron got one two off me that day, and I was such a fucking uh, cock of the hoop, Alex, for the club. Somewhere. I was nearly blaming Stephen Sheedy for not stopping Gary Hennessy at centre forward. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. You make not alone you making an ape of, of yourself, but you're making an ape of me. I think. <laughs> next thing anyway, you shouts across this, you know, uh, you're you're being made a show by a junior hurler. 
So I couldn't say anything, and I just turned back and I said to Darren, like, who was a real saint in fairness to him, he was a lovely fella. Yeah. And acting okay. later on in the trilogy in in, yeah. in, in, in Clare later on the year, and uh, I says, Jesus, bad enough insulting me, uh, Darren, without insulting you as well. Like. You as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was, uh, they were good times, and, and I mean, we have such a history going back to those two days, and I guess that second day in particular. And Hopefully, kid, we get to, I, I, I'm working on a small bit now, this remotely at the moment, myself and Joe, Jersey, yeah. that we might do a bit of a reunion before Christmas. Ah, great. Yeah. We get, you know, we'll either go up or you'll come down, but uh, uh, we, we might make it an event because I think the whole events around it, you know, the crack and the slagging and the, the heartbreak for us, you had been there and you were going to be there again, I think, and you were. And, and I kind of knew for us in some way this was our chance and uh, the heartbreak. Then. But then to hear the news about Joe's dad, I think yeah. that often me cough fairly quickly about how precious I was in my Ireland club medal to go with my 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 county medal and and uh, just you know what? understandable Dalo like that's understandable to be honest I, I often recount to the people about you look at Clare's success at the time and you talk about Dora Bearfield you talk about you guys hadn't won a club but you were an outstanding side that you would have won the club all Ireland in 98 no disrespect to Sarsfields but they were on the way down yeah and um, you were the big ones for us be honest with you, and I really mean that with, with in deference to Sarsfields, they were outstanding, but they were on the way down to be fair about it. But you look at you guys, you look at Dora Bearfield, you look at uh, Wolf Tones, you look at Six Mile Bridge, and you're kind of saying, Wow, in that period of time, what must that clear championship have been like? So, if you take effectively the top four players just as an exercise out of each of those clubs, is it any wonder why clear were, were where the, we were where they were at? Whereas in Offaly at that stage, yeah, your own club, it was difficult to win your own county. But from a club point of view, we didn't have the level of quality that you guys had spread across a number of clubs, if you know what I mean. Mm. And no disrespect to the clubs in Offaly, but no one outside of Borough back in those times would have even won a provincial title. Yeah. Never mind the Club All-Ireland. But you would, you, 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 your county were providing teams that were winning Club All-Irelands and you would have won one as well. So it was no surprise, you know, at the level of quality and quality in abundance that she had, fair about it. Yeah, and the funny thing about it again, it goes back to that old thing of belief. I suppose that I, like that that Offaly had made the breakthrough uh, eighty one, eighty five, and you know once a good Offaly team came out. I, I often said that the Clarecastle ninety four winning team, Tommy Vara beat us by a point in in Ennis, epic game, no huge crowd, uh, and if Clare had made the breakthrough in ninety four as opposed to ninety five, you know that's we weren't even there, so it doesn't matter, but. We'd nearly have gone on, I'd say, and rattled an All Ireland club. And Six yeah. Mile Bridge did yeah. that. One Six Mile Bridge, right. one Clare. Clare had broken the hoodoo. And the next six Munster champions then were all Clare teams. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing. How it, how it mirrors parallels with the club and the county. Yeah. Yeah. The teams weren't, weren't any much better or worse before that. But the absolute yeah. belief and confidence that fellas going, going there and, and going to Crow Park and winning, you know, Made to the different teams, and then you, as you said, like and Jesus, there was three or four more clubs like Sakilmeli, Eroganis, uh, even Scarroff and O'Callaghan's Mills that could beat you on a given day in Clare as well. You know, uh, yeah, it was, it was serious. It was harder to get out of Clare. We often said than win Munster. You know, so. yeah, no, no, I think I think that goes for. I think most top club sides will say the same thing to get out of your own county. I mean, we would have gone on and beaten the likes of Glenmore, Shamrocks, Buffers Alley, Allerdebala, and sometimes. 
we would have had more difficulty against teams in our own county that wouldn't have had the quality of them. But the likes of Lusma and like Kulderi weren't what they were. But Rhinus Clarine were had the three Dooleys up front, and they had Mick Coughlin, and they still would have Eugene Coughlin, and, and maybe in a few positions, you know, wouldn't have had the same quality. But Jesus, those other guys, I mean, the, just Sir Kieran is just an incredible parish. It's tiny, not a pub in it, but my God, that the ultimate belief and passion that those guys have. We used to hate hurling them before, to be honest with you. Like Joe Dooley, the likes of Joe Dooley, Johnny, they would have recognised that they would have had to have hurled three men, like three men. And by God, they would have done it, you know, to drive their little club on and just great admiration for them. I really do. Great yeah, it's a great sign. It's a great sign of a, a good county man, I often think. Yeah. When he when he goes back to his club and he actually even plays better at times, yeah. you know, you know that he yeah. he says no, I I have to do more here. You yeah, know, I, I haven't been around either for four or five months, maybe if the county have had a good run and I often felt you know, I've seen few few lads now. We were lucky with the few lads we had, really Sparrow and Tuts and Shido, Kenny Morrissey, these guys, you know, Alan Neville. They were good club lads, but sometimes you know we got with a couple of club lads that got on county teams and then didn't didn't give it to the club like afterwards. And I I, I, yeah. I lost time for a lot of those guys, I have to say, do you know? Yeah. Was she the unlucky not to have nailed the place down with Claire? I, I was sure she, look, like, like that. She often gets forgotten about because sure, Ollie, Ollie, who you famously split the same year, um, was only a sub in 95. Ollie, she was the only man to stand up against Kilkenny in the National League final in 95. Yeah. In midfield, yeah. he was he was the player's best player by a distance, followed maybe by Jamesy a bit back. Uh, the rest of us were so poor against Kenny, beating nine points. And then we played Cork in the Munster semi-final, and Sheedy started midfield. He's regular, he's, himself, yeah. and, himself and Jamesy midfield. And uh, after 20 minutes, just whatever way he, he twisted, turned, cruciate, gone. And Baker comes on as a sub at midfield. Yeah. He's, so, he's so bad at midfield, he gets moved to wing forward. Is so bad at wing forward, he gets moved to full forward. Is so bad at full forward, he gets moved to corner forward, and he eventually and gets the, rest, the touch, yeah. the touch yeah. to the line ball. line ball. Yeah, and then he stands up in a Munster final and he bits Limerick fellas all around him, like gets in under Hulahan's puss and just decides I'm going to be the bear yeah. here today. And, yeah. and the rest is history, Do you know. And poor old Cheeto, yeah. take good, take did that for the rest of the club, yeah, yeah. And I thought Cheeto was a great bit of stuff, yeah. And he went to Australia then for about eight months and then he came back. And really, really, in uh, one of the things I'd criticize Lockman for was he, 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 that time you remember you had to pick 24, yeah, he came right. back and he hurled brilliant stuff for us in the club in 97 on to 98. And he trained on then with Claire. They brought him back into the panel. And we played Kilkenny about two weeks before we played uh, Cork in 98. And, and like Sheedy went down and gave Kenneth Brennan now a torrid match at centre forward. And uh, he was kind of being used as a centre forward at that stage. You play yeah. him anywhere, yeah. really. Like, you know, yeah. you, like yourself in lots of ways. You know, he was a tough, yeah. he was a real warrior. Like, you know, and, and, uh, and anyway. So coming home, I was with, for some reason, I was with Shawnee and Jamesy. I wasn't with the Kirkcastle lads. And I said, will he start Cheeto lads or will he, or will he uh, hold him like, you know, would it, would it be 70 minutes in him? Like, and yeah. Johnny said, yeah. Jesus, after tonight, he nearly have to start him. And then on the Tuesday night, we went in train and, and he, he, this is the 24. I like to be 32 there, as you know yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, yeah. and with Lockman's way, like it was, it was good luck. I won't, I won't see Thursday night or I won't see Friday night for the couple of pucks. If we win, I'll see 
on t- next Tuesday night if you want to come back. Really? Yeah. And he na- okay. Yeah, he, na- he named the 24 anyway and no SGD on the 24 and SGD went straight to Peter Considine's, uh, which yeah. was the nearest bar at the time, I'd say, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and decided I don't give one shite of debate, Cork or not, I'm not coming back. Yeah. And in actual uh, fact, yeah. Stephen Sheedy later on in the year, I think against Offaly, might have been a mighty man to have, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought he was a great bit of stuff. Oh, really yeah, he was. Sheedy right. was a top class player. Wow, he was, as well as being a great character now, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mighty, mighty crack and great. Ah, oh, geez, we go to the Galway races there every year in the Monday shirt. He's, 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 we often, we often run into the, to Digger and, and to Gav uh, yeah. and a couple like that. Like, for Jesus, the crack we'd have with him would be unreal. Like, but great. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Sheeta was unlucky, really. But he got, he got the medal in 95, obviously. But, um, yeah, he, he, he'd be one of those guys that wouldn't bother him a whole pile. You know, he's a, he's a happy guy. actually. Yeah, he's Don't just after, he's just after, he was with Rosh and they just closed down in Clarecastle. So he knew it was closing. So he didn't take the initial kind of fatter redundancy package, which the, a lot of the lads took about a year and a half ago. Uh, no disrespect to anyone that took it, Jesus, it was attractive. But what he did about, in the meantime, that bit of land at home, as he set up a boarding uh, housing place for, for dogs, for people going on holidays, and like, he, Jesus, took off as a boom. And obviously at the moment now, it's quiet. Really? Because, yeah, there's no one yeah, on holiday. Yeah, but he, yeah, like, yeah. Want to see the state of the place. I just, I've slept in Morse myself. I'm not joking. <laughs> you. He is in indoor heated fucking kennels with runs out the back and talk about setting himself up like for you know and loves yeah, it. But he's doing, but he's doing what he wants. Oh, absolutely, and you know he's doing what, what makes him happy. And you know what? He knows my lifestyle as well. Like, and he knows yeah. I'm I'm gone media fucking orientated now. Even my coaching yeah. days, I'd say, you know. And yep. and like we be doing the podcast normally on a Monday, so that fucking rules out because I can't go into Larry Ryan there, uh, who's watching us uh, here yeah, and, and listening to us. I can't go into Larry with a smell of drink on me on a Monday morning down down in the examiner offices or our lovely new state of the art studio. So he knows that if if I like a pint, it might be Monday afternoon. So he'd say, uh, "Are you on your way from Cork?" Yeah, <laughs> you enough, can get said. A text. enough said. Like, yeah, yeah. I see what we're the land is lying at home. Yeah. I'd say. Might adjourn somewhere, all right, yeah. for a few hours. No, no, no. Oh, that's a, that's a kind of friend you kind of like uh, yeah. checking in with on a Monday evening, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Whenever, when, whenever I'd fly a kite with Dyden, and I'd normally get a te- text back to say, "What's on your mind?" And usually that's it. <laughs> one text from me, one text back from him, and usually that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, and uh, hopefully uh, they won't take too much offence on it. Like you know, but we be on. We're we're both the national or the county champions for the COVID response teams in Offaly and Clare, respectively. Fairness to Sinead Dooley, I suppose Claire were, were kind of the girl that was doing it, got sick and, and, and they needed somebody. So in fairness to Sinead, with all the battles I had with Johnny, she gave me the shout to know what I do. It. So it's been great. Uh, but we'd be on these Zoom calls, you know, and it could be yeah. like 35 on it. We'll get back to talking about hurling now eventually. But there could be 35 on it, like, you know. And the next thing, some lad would just say, I'll just speak out somewhere randomly now. I'm going to say Wicklow, right? But it wasn't, wasn't Wicklow, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Some lad or some girl, I'm going to say as well, just to make it more random again, could come on talking about some idea. Now, now this guy or girl could have to talk every week. And the next thing, your phone could go bleep, bleep. And you know the way these massive Zoom calls with about yeah. 40 people on them? Yeah. And you can only see a, a small bit of a face, right? Next thing, your phone go bleep, bleep. Jesus, here's your man from Wicklow on about the tea and biscuits again outside the houses. <laughs> <laughs> and the next thing you know the way he can put on this smile without smiling 
the smirk yeah. as I call it. Like, and I yeah. have to, I have to put my screen to blank to get this video laughing and, and mute my microphone rapid. Like, you know, oh, he's gifted. He's, a, he's, 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 he's been telling me that it's a, the way people have come together on the back of this in the different localities and different kind of team leaders in the different towns and villages. You know, and I know one of them very well, Dave Coffey here in Boris, brother Tom played football with Offaly. Just great people, you know, doing great things. And there's an element to this whole thing that's really nice. Yeah, That's really, really nice. You know, my mum's 82 and I go up to her every day because she's only up the road and, uh, you know, talking in the window to her and nice little chats and, She's deaf as a door, like, you know, and she, she'd ask you a question, you're answering, and you might elaborate a small bit, and she's off on a different tangent. And uh, so I just look at her and go, I've never seen you as happy. I've never seen you as well. And people ringing to see how you are. And there's a goodness that comes out of a lot of strife. And you see people and the goodness that's in people. And there's a lot of goodness has come out of this as well. And I hate to look at the negativity that comes out of it because I've, I've really tried to detach myself from social media over the last period of time because it's just turned into a forum that's changed from, from what it was at the start. Um, Except you are but, prone to saying West Ham are not coming out to play at all. Well, uh, I'm trying to stick to the sport and a guy, <laughs> a, a guy said me... Be, just, just, just to tip you off, Larry's a gooner. A big goon oh, really? like that. Really? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. That, the, the examiner, the examiner is is an epidemic of of gooners. Yeah, I saw. I, I read all that before, but um, no, it's just um, it's it's funny the way people use different different situations to vent and how they vent and the way they vent, and it's 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 quite extraordinary to group watch and people watch and look at situations and how how people kind of align themselves with different groupings in the way. It's just, I'm just fascinated by a lot of it, Dalo. I, I really, really am. Yeah. I'm trying to take the goodness you, out been, of it. You, you've been known to vent occasionally now, back over the years on yeah. Twitter. And there's no no doubt about it. And you know what? Uh, some, some, sometimes I regret, sometimes I regret, to be honest with you, um, some of the stuff I've, I've put up. And I'd be really, really reactionary. And I've always been that way in my life, I guess. And... I'd have, I'd react to a lot of things and I tend not to think. And I, I remember a number of years ago in the IMI doing a, doing a psychological test up there with a group of people and it was and not to bore you to tears, but just it's kind of people close to you and have an understanding of your, your, your psychology. Like, I mean, there was 30 of us in a class psychologically tested. And at the end of it, it was someone they used for the likes of Microsoft and Google and that. But anyway, the 30 that was in it, I was the only one that wasn't in a particular, you know, sphere I was I was known as what, what what was outside the vector, so I went to the guy that performed the whole thing, and I, I basically asked him, "Was there something wrong with me?" And he just said, "Listen," he said, "You know, it was a it was a questionnaire that took forty five minutes." He said, "How long did you actually take over every question? You know, A B C D answers." And I went, "Well, I read the question, I looked at the answers, and that was it." And he said, "Correct, you did." He says, "Everybody else looked at it and read the answers and read the four answers and thought about what their answer was. You looked at what you thought was the most logical, and." you were convinced 100% it was the answer. So I didn't fall into a particular category of your personality type is this. And it was fairly strange to try and deal with that afterwards. You looked at yourself and thought, is there something wrong with me? You know, but actually it's just a tendency maybe not to think and to react immediately instead of taking time to think about things. And social media, of course, is prone to, if you're that type of personality, it's there and it's easy to vent. And then there's times after where, 
you know, Mike, or I remember Joe Dooley before, and a good friend of mine in Galway would have, I can't believe you just put that up. And I'm, yeah, but it's what I think. Like, what, what did I do wrong? I, I put up what I thought. And he said, yeah, but do you give thought to how it might affect other people? I remember one of my colleagues with Offaly, that I heard Joe, Joe Dooley, before I put something up in relation to when he got the Offaly job at the start. And I put up that I didn't think he should have got it, you know? And uh, I regretted it hugely after, because I know it hurt him. And, and I regretted it the way I put it up. And, and in my mind at that time, I was given an honest view. But I guess, you know, you've got, you've got to be cognizant as well. Of, and I remember one guy, I never, I don't know who he is last year, just went, listen, we, we love following you for your comments on sport, but we don't want to read anything else. And I, and I would have been prone to putting a lot of other stuff up about stuff that's important to me in my life. And you've got to realize that, well, you know, if it's important to you, maybe just keep it to yourself. Mm. You know, yeah, just yeah. trying to keep that balance, I guess, on stuff, and it's something I do try and work on, and I'm I'm, I'm really I conscious of trying to work on stuff. I wouldn't have known now from all the years I know you, I wouldn't have known that you'd be a Republican, a strong Republican. Yeah, Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, 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 and and I'm you know, fault, it's, I'm not faulting uh, you for that now. Yeah, 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 but it's—I I mean, it's like—I mean, it's—it's it's part of what I am. It's part of who I am. I have to be frank with you. I mean, my parents, my my dad and my mum would have been not into politics. My dad would have been very easy. He's actually thirteen years dead today. God, be good to him. But he would have been staunch for fall. But um, I educated myself from a very, very young age, and I questioned a lot of things. And I guess I was young when the hunger strikes happened, and I, I, I used to go on holidays in the place we used to go and we'd have dinner actually on pub block used to be for sale. And I was 12 and I used to totter along the counter and I'd pick it up and I'd read through it. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't say it to my folks because I would have been afraid to, but I, I then started buying books like Dan Breen and, and Tom Barry. And then as a rep over the years, I would have visited Kilmichael and then I used to make a point of visiting the ambush sites. Um, and I would have looked for lifts as a young fellow, 15 and 16, but not tell people what I was doing. And then I would have kept buying more books. And I would have been affected by the news that would have been coming out. And I questioned, and I just kept questioning myself as to, and I would have tried to equate the parallel with, I guess, 1919, 2021 to the troubles. And there would have been a lot I would have been uncomfortable with. Of course, absolutely, of course, there were there was a lot of atrocities that were carried out that absolutely no one could. But I mean, you know, if somebody questions me now and said, you know, are were you a, are you a committed Republican? I would say yes. Um, am I supportive of a lot of economic policies that Sinn Féin have? No, no, I'm not. A lot of them don't sit well with me. But that's never been the key for me, Anthony. The key for me always has been in my life my principle has been the reunification of our country and I feel as passionate now about that as I did as a 12 year old that was trying to get an understanding of what was happening you know 90 miles up the road but like I say I I, I would have been growing up I would have been a I would have been a strong supporter of the armed struggle personally I, I would have been and, and to myself I could have justified it now there are many actions that took place that that were abhorrent, and I'm absolutely thankful, like everybody else, is that life is 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 been lived and people have come together. and And I would be out of a huge value on life now, out of a huge value as I get older on life and and that type of thing. But I, it was I was deeply affected during the times of the troubles, and I never felt distant from it. I, I felt many people down here felt very distant and only seemed to be moved whenever the latest, the latest atrocity appeared 
on the news. But I, I was moved daily by everything and, and tried, tried. So what I've done over the years is I've met up my business to visit the north, and I would have visited a lot of counties, and I would have visited uh, families in the likes of, say, Tyrone, Armagh, in, in, in Tyrone, I would have visited Martin Horson's brother, one of the hunger strikers, and I would have met people in Tyrone to find out what it was like and what would be termed as middle-class people who grew up in, some, in, in, in such a different environment too, as they loved their games like we did, they loved their clubs and their county, but they would have been targeted because of that, because of, of, of uh, and I suppose a difficulty that a lot of people wouldn't have known down here is your next door neighbour arguably that day, that night then, could arguably be a UDR man who then could stop you and search you and stuff like that drove many people like there was always this media perception of I guess you know, a working class or non-working people joining a Republican movement and in the extent there would have been ghettoized areas that that would have happened but then there was a lot of rural areas where middle class families, teacher sons, farmer sons, shopkeeper sons, saw no other way. But thankfully, we don't live in those times anymore. Thankfully, we don't live live in those times anymore. But I would be avowed in my belief and my desire that in my lifetime, I, I would love to see a united Ireland, absolutely and, and unapologetically. Yeah, likewise, I, I would I would have those tendencies myself. But I, I suppose being the youngest of eight. Uh, of, from a desperate Fianna Fáil family, uh, who de- yeah. uncle, counsellor and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I suppose I nearly had no choice but to just fall on that side. But I don't I don't actually take a whole pile of interest in it now. We'd Sambo on the show a few weeks back as well. Like, and sure, I heard, yeah, yeah. He's like about just coming from train and just being stopped and maybe standing inside of the road for three hours with your throat, your gear, and just stand there like while we go into a hut and maybe have a cup of tea. And, you know, just like, Horrible, horrible stuff that we have. A lot of people down here won't even think about. It. Yeah, uh, Mario, you're absolutely seen it for yourself, you know. And 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 yeah. anytime we've gone up, they couldn't do an upwork really as the AP. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so just to take it back, uh, you know, um, obviously this the mythology of this brother Dennis, and and like for me going to Flannans, I suppose that was the one thing I could nearly cling on to. You you had the eighty one and eighty five fellas to inspire you now. The Clareman of the seventies that won the two national leagues back to back were great inspiration. But but to go to Flannans, if you could make the Shagan Hearty Cup team in your last year, you had a chance of winning. You know, it was a bit like making the tip minor to the cock minors. I suppose you 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 would have a chance. You know, um, making the Clare minors, you still didn't. Um, but for for Brendan Zabor to win in All Ireland colleges against the the man in the late eighties or mid mid to late eighties, eighty six. Jeez, that's yeah. that. Some achievement like that would that that would have been even unheard of, even though he'd a lot of the eighty-five boys in there. We'll say back in the day. Yeah, no, no, you're right, and and I I just couldn't emphasize enough the importance of that. I mean, I, I look back on my career if I ever did, and I would say that was a catalyst and fundamental to a lot of success. Now, bearing in mind that St. Brendan's uh, joined together with the vocational school and the old presentation bar in 1980. But in 1979 and 1980, Borough actually got to two successive All-Irelands and were beaten by Flannans and were beaten by the Mon. So the progression was there. Now, they were heavily beaten. But to get there, you were beating Kieran's. So that in itself was progress. But actually, in, in, in 85, we played the Mon. Uh, in 85, we drew with them in Port Leash and they beat us in the Gaelic grounds pretty well. 
And it's a funny kind of awfully mentality in that we drew with the Mon in 85, which we which everyone kind of nearly celebrated because they were the Mon. And it would have been the same if it was Flannan's because they were the famed colleges. They, they were the three main colleges. So we got a real drubbing. But in 86, the funny thing is we, we beat Peter's College with a goal in the last minute from Billy Dooley down in uh, Thomastown. And our preparation was terrible. Pori Horn was over us and he was over the mechanical drawing class. And they'd been in Scotland for 10 days or something. And it was terrible. But uh, after that, I mean, Lord of mercy on Pat Carroll. And the day Pat passed away, Patrick's Day in 1986, I think we beat Kieran's College by 15 points. We beat Garbally, including Michael Dignan, by 15 or 18 points in a semi-final. And we beat them on by 12 points in the final. And the interesting thing is, Banagher Vocational School won the Vocational School All-Ireland same time. So between both schools, that then was the catalyst for Offaly Miners winning the first ever Minor All-Ireland a few months later, where seven players were from Burr, five were from Rhinus, two, there was Lusna had two, I think, and Kilcormack had one. So the Minor team was made up principally of two, but four clubs in total. And that kind of was the catalyst for what followed in the 90s. So it's really interesting when you take the dynamics as to where teams come from, because where you guys came from is, is, is really interesting as well. Like we had heroes as kids in 81 in the square and borough looking at these heroes coming back, knocking on a bus window and Joachim and Kelly waving out and you think you're made at 12 years of age. And that's the influence it has, has on your life. If that's your ambition and if that's your drive to succeed. So there was enough heroes there in our small little area and everybody was kind of cocooned around Borough in a seven-mile stretch. And then you go into secondary school and everybody knows everybody. So anyone that's playing hurling in Offaly, you go to the one school, unless you're in vocational school in Banner, they encapsulate the rest of the guys. So what it did was it formed an extraordinary bond early doors. Now that's not always easy to do with a county minor squad. And I'm thinking of the likes of maybe Cork was such a vast county and so many players. So what Paggio did was he recognized immediately there was a Borough Banner, Rhinus Divide, straight away. So he forged that immediately and he insisted you sat with Borough and Rhinus guys intermingled. So that bond was formed very early and success was there very early. So you either bought into it or you didn't. If you wanted to buy into it and you wanted more success, and more success meant, well, there's an under-21 All-Ireland to be won. There's clubs to be won. There's Leinster Senior Championships to be won, and ultimately there's Liam McCarthy to be won. So at, at an early day, at early days, it was Liam McCarthy was the goal. And enough guys had that ambition before we'd even played in semi-finals. There was enough about us and the people around us to know, well, the collective here and the ability within the collective. We never looked at anyone else at that stage. We looked at what we had, we looked at the minor successes, and, and they look, we won three minors in four years. All Ireland's. We got to the three under twenty one finals in the corresponding three years later, and we lost the three under twenty ones. So, but the progress was there. The natural progression was there. You were retaining the bulk of your key players from minor to under twenty one, and then the next minor team to under. So that progression was there. So straight away, you had a core of players that were ready to hit senior if they then were mentally and physically able for it. You had the numbers, enough numbers. To make a difference and if the will was there and the desire was there which it was then it was about how you forged that together and then you had to look at who else was there because now you're going to come up against them so you were going to have 
Kilkenny, so you had to meet their mentality at a senior level. We did at colleges, we did at minor, we did it under 21. It was now, could you take it that stage further? And I have to say that Cregan was the catalyst for that with us. He was what we needed at the time. We had now got to a level with success at all the grades, but with that brought a bit of partying. With that brought characters, myself included at the time, that loved our game, were ambitious, but were liking the other life as well. Okay? Now, the bulk of the boys were just totally driven to winning and had a great balance to their lives. But you needed the likes of us coming in as well. And Cregan was the difference who brought it in and he didn't care. He was the first disciplinarian we had. Now, we didn't love him as an individual, I have to say, because he wasn't that type of man to try to be your friend or to have a conversation or know about your life or what drives you in your life or anything. He didn't want to do that. It was like, you know, Dale, it was back in the 90s. It was... He's the boss and what he says goes. And he was an absolute disciplinarian. And he brought in Derry O'Donovan, the physical coach. And I'm always so interested when people have this conversation about what you guys initiated in the mid-90s with the training regimes. Because, you see, we were training as hard as you guys, but we weren't doing it at six in the morning, okay? And Cregan spoke to us about you guys and he said, listen, when you're not used to winning, which you guys weren't at a time, you need an edge, you have to have an edge. You have to have an edge. You've got to have an enemy. And when you guys are being driven at that time in the morning, when everyone else is in their bed, it's an edge. Okay, it's a rudimentary type of one when you look at the scientific approach now, but it still carries a place. I don't care. It still carries a place. So you guys had an edge. We had an edge because we were we were basically a poor relation for 90 years of the association, and we were whipping boys in Leinster. So our edge was against Wexford and Kilkenny, and we had it. We knew how to utilize it against them. And no matter what we did against Kilkenny, we always we always put ourselves as underdogs, even when the papers met as favorites. You know, we 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 just no one respects us. No one respects us, kind of thing. So we had that edge within Leinster. Yeah. But it was like I often think the worst thing that ever happened to us was clear beating Galway in the All Ireland semi final in '95. I, I I really do. And I, I often think of that game with you guys. I really do, because in Offaly, you see, Dalo, people say, wow, that was, that was thrown away. And and from day one, I've always said, go back and look at the game, lads. You know what? Arguably, we, sh we should have been well beaten. Now, we had chances to put the game away towards the end. But in the greater scheme of things, some of the wise you had and Jamesy on the day, like you'd never do it again, previous or since. So we were beaten on the day by a better team because you beat up our forward line. And that's a reality. He beat up our forward line. And we got no change. We scored two, eight, and 70 minutes. One was a Davy bad concession. Um, one was Johnny Pilkin coming up from midfield. And then whatever freeze Johnny Dooley threw in. Our return as All-Ireland champions that day was abysmal. It wasn't because we played bad. It was because we were dominated by a defence who were superb. And then went on, obviously, to greater heights and then were recognised as a sextet that were just extraordinary. But on that day, we tended to look, and awfully people tended to look at, not our, our inadequacies, but how do we leave it behind? You were at the stage of your progression where you were ready, and you battered our forward line. You, you consumed our forward line in a brilliant way. And, that, and that's, that's what she did. It wasn't that she were fantastic the other end, because we had a great defence. We had a really good defence. But it was... Well, you know, and, he deserved uh, to win. And display alone that day, like, you know, I haven't, haven't watched it a couple of times since, Jesus, he was just, 
uh, indestructible at fullback. Yeah, absolutely. You had a good game the same day the previous year. You've opened up about this, and you're you're very we're similar spirits. I know that we're emotional whores, and uh, and we let sometimes we let things get too big that shouldn't be too big, and yeah. sometimes we yeah. let let them be too small and they should be taken more notice of. You know, and I think we're similar that way. And ninety four, you won it, but the, you know, it just you you let the day get to your. Yeah, I did. Yeah, 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 I did, and and and. You know, it's like it's 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 a funny thing. Like losing to you guys in '95, there was a redemption. Do you know what I'm saying? There, there was a redemption, which is a very personal thing. And sometimes you might be afraid to say that because, you know, where's the collective? Where's the team in that? But like, everyone, like you, everyone, if you don't feel personal pride in the way you hurl, yeah. you're no good to the team. You know. What disappointed me, I suppose, more than anything was, you know, like the Dignan and Joe Dooley would have always said, okay, when it came to National League, when it started off in October, I was never a great man for it, okay? And I would have put always a bit of Tony John during the winter and struggled them with weight as my career went on and the older I got. And that was it. And I didn't mind myself and that was fine. I was having great crack and all of that type of thing. But I would have prided myself in going back to the colleges and the minor and all of that, that I was always a big day player. I really was, and the Offaly boys would have known that, and they've always highlighted going back games, always on a big day, you would have did it. And on that day, on the biggest day of all, like I was just crap and beaten by a by a, by a guy that I, I admired greatly at the time, and I was going to bully him in my head, and I was going to let him know. And anyway, listen, that didn't happen. None of that happened. So, you know, I played, I played a bad game, and it's a funny thing, like years later, I always remember Joachim, and we, we it's funny, we were never that close be honest with you when we heard but I have huge respect for the man huge respect huge respect for him um, and he came into the dressing room afterwards and he said to me you're down I, no, no I'm not because you didn't want to be selfish there and then when it's over but I was I was pretty pissed with myself to be honest and Joachim said something to me that didn't resonate then but it does resonate now and it has resonated he said do you know what he said I played in two All-Irelands in 81 and 85 and I've watched him dozens of times from a kid all the way through against Galway and Joachim couldn't master Steve Mann he couldn't master Mahan. He just couldn't master Steve Mahan. And that was it. But the way it was at the time, Jack and Kelly would never be taken off because, you know, it was something that would, you know, the rest of the team would have been like, fuck it, a drop shift, a drop shift. Joachim goes. So Joachim played on. But he said to me, no one remembers now how we played in those games. He does, but no one else does. So, you know, it's the balance between your own head kind of thing. And uh, like two years ago, my daughter, who's just a, a Camogue fan, fanatic, but she was going up with her mom up to her own place in Donegal. And she rang me and on the morning they were leaving, my son was, I've been with Ulster at the time and they've been in the house watching and they replayed the 94 All-Ireland final. And I was over where I live now on the outskirts of Tullamore. And my daughter rang me on the way to Donegal and she said, Dad, myself and Jack watched the 94 All-Ireland. We'd never watched that game in its entirety. And, and I was on the other end of the phone going, yeah, yeah, isn't it great? She was 15 and she went, yeah, Dad, you were a shite. <laughs> it was like, like two years ago, Dale, and I was, I was kind of like, oh, God almighty tonight, you know. But anyway, listen, it's like anything else. You, you get over them. It's funny. We lost the under-21 to Tip in 89 in front of 30,000 people in um, in, in Punk Leash. And I would say it took me years to get over it. And I managed an under-21 team, and Mike was my selector two years ago, up and up where I'm at now. And we played Borough in the final. 
and my, my, my missus now just couldn't get her, her head around this, cannot get her head around it. I was in the depths of, and I want to be just politically correct about this, about my where my head was afterwards, but we lost it in a classic. And uh, I've it's one of the lowest points. Like, I mean, you talk about your sporting life and your life. I felt, to me personally, and I can only really just describe me, I would have considered it one of the lowest points of my life, losing that game. And to try and explain to other people what it does to you, because you see your own personality is your own. But it did that to me for about three months, to no sleep, waking at two or three o'clock in the morning, not being able to sleep. Stuff like that that just got in and then consciously trying to... Drinking drink to blot it out as well, Linda. That's what I, I found. Like, felt you said to me, Jesus, you, 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 only for the hurling, you'd have a big problem with drink and stuff like that. They'd say to me, yeah. you know. And I said, yeah. Jesus, you've no idea what this is cutting me inside. Like, how deep this is cutting me, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the final in, in 93, went off to... Now, it, it was fun at the time, but of course, you know, and I know, coming down after fun is no fun. Uh, uh, like... And, and and for a finish, you don't even like the taste of the bloody thing, and you, you're you're sick and you're stuck. And, but like it just to blot out the pain for a little bit, and I that's how how deeply it cut me them losses and that kind of thing. You know, county final, county final. Jesus Christ, I'd be in the depths. I mean, I mean, you had your own over celebrating ninety eight. When we, I mean, how I got back to get on the team. To eventually lose and, and bloody well won, won an all star meant me going on a neutron diet for two yeah. months, look, man, and lost two and a half on uh, to get back somehow. Um, lucky, lucky because I took that defeat so bad. I just, uh, I, as I said to you, I took nearly Joe's father dying and going up to the wake, and that shook me out of it some bit. But yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's a funny thing you're you're hitting on there, and it's it's something to be fair about it that you know I would have struggled with, you know, I I, I absolutely would have struggled with it, and I, I would have struggled with alcohol throughout my career. And Babs Keaton was a man who was very helpful to me, you know, and I know people in Offaly in the way he left. Well, I couldn't speak anything but highly of him because it's something he would have recognised. And it was after Clare Castle, and it was after winning that All Ireland. I mean, I was in the best shape of my life in '98 after we'd won that All-Ireland, because I'd gone on the Neutron, I wanted to show Padjo, and we'd won it, and we'd won the Club All-Ireland, and I celebrated, and Michael Bond came in, Michael Bond did everything he could to get me on board, players did everything they could, but I actually couldn't stop, I actually couldn't stop celebrating, and um, when that trilogy was there, I had awfully selectors on, will you be back for the second clear game and that, but I was so far gone at that stage, and the level of fitness that you, I was so far gone in my head at that stage, I couldn't get back, that I actually contacted Bond and the management team and they got to the final to know could I even carry the hurls. And it was no, rightly so, rightly so. So I was I was in the stand for the All-Ireland in 98 and I set a meeting the following day at Mayo, I remember it. So when I left the ground after Offaly won, I'd waited and met all the players and I was down the tunnel with them. But I had lost out because I had overindulged earlier in the year and I hadn't come off it. And I lost out in an All-Ireland. And I made my mind up that day when Offaly won, I made my mind up that this is the type of thing that can destroy you. Because when you're at the level that we were at then and, and your whole it's your whole life, I knew what I'd lost out on. I'd lost out on an All-Ireland and I had no one to blame. I couldn't turn to anyone. I didn't have one individual, nor did I ever attempt it. So what I did was I made a decision there and then, I have to park this now or it'll eat me up for the rest of my life and I could do irreparable damage to myself. And I did. 
and I buried it. And sometimes my brother would say, you know, is it always beneath the surface? Which I said, absolutely no. I took full responsibility for my actions. And I lost out in an All-Ireland because of it. But that was my responsibility. And I would have struggled with it in my life. And, you know, I took on a new role here a couple of years ago in work as a sales and marketing manager. And I knew what was coming. Months into it, I knew what was coming. The stresses and the pressures that, that I felt. That, that I felt I would have struggled very difficult. And what I did then was I couldn't wait for Friday night to come. I really couldn't. It was Friday night, and it was like, Jesus, in the space of 20 minutes, half an hour, two or three pints, back, and I had no problems. And I was with the lads, and then it was like Sunday evening. I was dreading it. This is me. Everyone is different. And then maybe crept into a Wednesday to get me through. And then, like, I, I, I'd honestly go as far as saying my, my partner, in many respects, has, has helped me be the man that I always wanted to be. Like I think I'm a decent man, but I have flaws. But she's helped me to be a happier man and, and live a better life. But I, I, I gave up drink then, actually, for eight months. Back then, about three years ago, and I was so happy. And I, I revisited it when I could have a bit of balance on it. So I'm well policed, to be honest with you, Dalo. My missus polices me big time. And I love a few beers, and I love the crack. But I'm well policed. I'm dropped in, and I'm collected, and that's it. Because, you know, if you give me an inch, I, I'll take it. It's as simple as that. And I'd love to get away with the poor lads. And we were hoping no more than you guys to celebrate, you know, the 25th anniversary of our first club all Ireland. And of course you guys, and I hope you get to do it because you deserve it. And it's such a great day for you guys, not the day, but for you guys coming together and what that means to you collectively. But it's all, it's always something that I, I would, I'm really, really in a comfortable place with it now, to be honest, which I'm really in a comfortable place. I love me a few beers now, but I don't turn to it because of any issues that might be there in my life. I chat, I chat and I talk things through and I, 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 I treat it properly. I still enjoy the crack in that, but I don't turn to it for solace, you know. Yeah, I find I find I used to be, you know, well, I, I suppose with the, I was so immersed in coaching straight away nearly in a, at a high level playing wise that you couldn't, you couldn't indulge like you'd like to maybe, you know, because yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday night was coming around, so you couldn't, um, you couldn't be up it. in a day, like, you know, so I think that was good for me, you know, because I love the crack as well, you know me, like, yeah. just, you know, time we had a great old bit of crack up, up until the more there after uh, Leinster Championship match a couple of years ago with Michael and Joe and Johnny and, and uh, a great evening, a lovely, enjoyable sure, evening. I loved, loved them. Yeah, too infrequent to be honest. You know, and as I say, I'm gone to the stage now where I just I'm just not bloody well able for you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true as well. You see, drink drink is your best friend and your worst enemy in loads of ways. You know, it's it's it can be, it can be yeah, it can be. It, it, it can be, but it's like you know, so many people haven't come out the other side of it. That's it. That's it. Look. Uh, my, my own brother Michael so just you know he, he'd been in treatment a few times and, and we, he's great he's in a great place now last seven or eight yeah. years with one relapse and it's been a great w one for me because I was his mentor maybe through it so I got to see maybe some of the stuff and you know how much of a help that someone I fought with on the field year after year and Johnny Lahey how much of a help yeah. he was to him as a yeah. counsellor and a mentor you know and so, it was a brilliant so, read. Yeah, yeah consequently like you know that kind of thing come here Coaching, but I thought you were uh, nailed on maybe to, to take on that awfully job. Like I, I did go for it twice. Um, and to be quite frank with you, at the, at the time that I went for it, I can look back now and say I absolutely would not have been the right individual. I thought I was then, but I wouldn't because I still had too many things going on that wouldn't have contributed to level thinking, you know. 
I mean, I can I, I can remember uh, we played down in a national league game, and I was at a company do a kind of a, a work do on a Saturday, and anyway, seven o'clock on the Sunday morning, I was still going and having to ring John McIntyre, and he was such a gentleman about it, and I didn't try and lie or hide it. I mean, I killed the lily, and that was it. And if I'd done that as selector, would I have done it as a manager? The ability was there then. Unfortunately, to, 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 and the potential was there then. So I wouldn't have been level enough for it. Did I love the coaching? Of did I love coaching? I absolutely love coaching. I have real fundamentals in relation to coaching. I I, I love improving players. I love working with individual players and then looking at the collective. And it's funny. I, I did train a couple of senior teams, and we won another twenty-one with a team I trained in Rome. And it's a funny thing, like. Um, I went with a specific style of play, which was which was very much a possession game because they were young, they were light, and they would have been physically bullied. And we got into this way of playing it, and I love the innovation. I love the innovations that come. I loved what Wexford did last year against Tip. I hated the year before um, against Clare and Cork. It was abysmal. But the way Davy has kind of reinvented and overlapping wing backs and attack, I was just fascinated with Wexford last year. I loved it was so, such a positive and I love those innovations it's when the innovations are negative I mean you introduced you know spare man with Claire and against Kilkenny and why you did it but it was always with trying to create space I love that I loved I love the innovation um and I, I coached an under 50 I, I never took on teams that that were just on the cusp of winning county finals and that type of thing my first team I got involved with was Ballandarine down in Galway and we, we staved off relegation, but the enjoyment I got, how we played and how I got a centre-forward playing and scoring four goals in that game against Mellows and actually relegating Mellows. I really loved that. But I'd love to think that the teams I've been involved in would have always had a, would have had a great time for me um, as a coach, that I was very, very passionate. But I, I was poor in the dressing room at the start. It was all, you know, passion and in tears and that type of thing and you know that's that's not good for a team going out so I would have learned that going on but I, I I thought I was very good with players in setting them up and improving players and I, I had an under 15 team last year in the local club that I'm with now and we improved them no end but you know they want me to go back again this year but I got appointed with the role of MD for where I'm at and I said listen if I get that that all my concentration levels need to be on it is it something I'd like to have done more of? I think I would have done. Um, I worked with Mike, with, with the minor team. His his, his boys have been involved with, with himself and Pat Cleary and others in that club in North Offaly have done. From a hurling point of view, my God, it's astounding. They won two how minor do, how days. Do, back how does yourself and Dignan work on the sideline, Dahi? Great. I was told to shut up and Mike done all the talking. Um, <laughs> it was funny, actually. That's what it was funny. That's the way it went with the miners. I mean, he was driven. He was like he was driven to win with these guys to the extent that when they were like twelve years of age, Rhinus, his own club, beat them. I think by about thirty-five points. And Mike's mum said to him, "Like they're good little gosses, but like to be putting them up against the likes of Rhinus." And if anyone knows Michael Dignan, it was like, "You don't worry about them." He said to his mother, "You don't worry." And there you come four years later, and you beat Rhinus in a minor A county title in a replay and to win two of them so I took the under 21s at the same time and um, a brilliant guy to work with just fascinating to work with and the way they look at him and the way they listen to him he just exudes 
yourself and himself are very, you're like that. You have it. Like, I, I would have watched, and Ray Finn is married to my first cousin, Mary Regan, and uh, what you would have done there, you know, I, I get it. I get it. And, and I think what's really critical is a manager has to love his players, and players have to love their manager. And I, I just think people don't get that in business and sport and in life. You have to have that, but there's still got to be the divide that when, but you can do it in a, in a way that you've done it with Dublin and I know the way you operate. Mike does it as well. He can come, he can come to hammer and sickle, but then just a brilliant one-on-one with players where they love them, where you just, you do it for them. You do it for someone because you love them. You love them as your manager and you want to please them. And you had that with Dublin and the teams you work with. It's a great gift to have. And that comes from inside. That comes from the individual. That's aside from the structures. The structures will be there, and players love structure, but it's that ability as a human being to be able to cross a divide with a group of people that they just, this is their leader, right? That's different than a lot of managers have. A lot of managers don't have that. And I used to love someone that had that, had that, that as a leader, that I, I, I loved that individual. I loved that man, and I wanted to do it for him. I wanted to please him. Very few people have that in life. You know, and, and we're not, you had it with Dublin, you've had it with the teams, you can clearly see it. Mike, Mike has it with the teams that he's with. It's a great gift. And I'd like to think for whatever I did lack with the teams that I was with, that I'd like to have thought that I did, that I had a great ability with the players to love and respect them and want the best for them. And they knew I had their back. But it didn't mean, it didn't mean that you couldn't drive it home with them and be ruthless when you needed to be. But also that you had that caring ability to love your players. I think you have to love your players to get the best out of them because just I just think to get the very, very, very best out of them, you have to love them. And I always thought Brian Cody loved his players, but the, the persona, the media persona maybe showed this type of individual, but you don't do what he did unless he loved his players. And it allowed him to be ruthless with them, even a little bit more ruthless. But I do believe he loved them and cared for them. And I think you have to be to be the best manager out there. Yeah, and he couldn't be the best manager and as long as he's there, unless, they, you know, if he was dog, 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 you couldn't still totally. be it wouldn't, it wouldn't, totally. it wouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There has Agreed. to be another, we, yeah. we wouldn't get, we, we, the thing with him is he, he's so private and all that and so, yeah. uh, you we don't know, see it, yeah. so guarded, we don't get to see it, but it has to be there, right. it has to be there. Yeah. We, we learned that, we could talk all day, Dahi, and, and, and work, day, a yeah. bit of work to do. And, and I, I have a small bit of work to do, would you believe, before the yeah, game? Yeah, um, but I have to touch on, you know, there's no doubt yourself, uh, Jack and Ellen, and, and now Adele, very close. And I have to ask you about Jack and the rugby, like, and, and uh, I followed it through. First of all, I wouldn't have even known what Jack was, Jack, or a rugby player. I knew he was there, but. Yeah. What he was, and and then and then I, you know, recognised he was an Irish under twenty international, gone to Ulster, and then then he came back to Leinster, did he? No, he started with Leinster, and he was with Leinster. Leinster, Leinster, and he was with Leinster Academy, and they went to France, and he picked up an injury there that set him back a bit. He lost his starting place with the Irish twenties, but um, he then went to Ulster, and he picked up a really bad back injury. Missed his second year. He had a. a, a Operation in Ulster Rugby were absolutely fantastic to him, to, to have him on a table within two days of a diagnosis. Um, they were superb and talk about caring for players because this year he was let go. Um, when we thought he was going to be given a development, they let him go and said they didn't think he was quite strong enough. They were very professional in the way they dealt with him. They could not say anything but good about them. And I would have had really, really direct chats with him, as in, 
you maybe you're coming up a little bit short. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe you're not a professional rugby player. You're a good player, but you know what? Maybe you're lacking where you need to be to get to where. We would have had frank discussions about it. But what I admire about him is, you know, he came up from playing bar rugby, um, as as Peter Dooley and that has been. So there was no there was no schoolboys. So Peter Dooley has been an absolute exception in this town. So Jack probably is his limitations, but his his work grade and his belief and dedication to it. But at that level, they all have that. So I'm just looking at what I'm looking at. So he's, he's in New Zealand at the moment. He's looking for a contract down there. So he's back playing basically club rugby. So he had his first game last weekend. And he, you know, he's 23 years of age now. So, you know, I don't talk to him on a daily basis. He's My my, my late father was was married with my with two boys at that stage, my, my two older brothers. And I said that to him, so you got to find your own way in life. And uh, he said to me, I'm not down here to piss it up. He's not into drinking. He's into his body and he's into his sport and he wants to leave it all out there. So what I've done and, and what his mum has done is, and she's been superb with him as well, is to say, you have a dream. Okay, you want to be a professional rugby player, we'll follow it. And everything we can do to help you, if it's financial support, as best as we can, because no matter what, we can't bring anything with us. There's no pockets in a shroud. So... My view has always been I give to my children what I can now, but in a respectful manner to support them, to help them on their way. But there comes a time he's got to find his own way. So I'll continue to help him financially as best as I can until he does that. And there'll come a time where he then has to look at his life and say, maybe I'm not going to make this. And only he can decide that. I can't. I don't have a right to say to him, your dream, you know, you're not going to fulfill it because you, you come up short. But we would have spoke about his limitations and maybe a lack of aggression He's a nice kid, but you've got to be a ruthless animal to make it at the highest levels. And he recognises that. And his persona off the pitch has got to be different from that on the pitch. And maybe he just never quite separated that. So his dream is alive. He's going a different way about it. And I admire him for doing it. But my view on it is this, Dale, and I've said it to him. I asked him last week, are you happy there? And he said, I am. And I said to him, well, I don't care if you shovel shit or if you play rugby or you don't. If you're a happy man, you know, in your own head, if, if you like yourself, all the things that I struggle with myself and I can recognize, you know, yeah. kind of grown up. So I kind of look at him and I say, he's a happy kid at 23 years of age. And I say to him, if you're a happy man, if you're comfortable in your life and you're happy with your surroundings, I don't care what you do, just be happy. And uh, he's happy. So he'll have to find his life has started and he's on his road. And uh, my, my daughter and I, as, as dads and their girls are, like, I, I think she's top-class camogie player. So does everybody else. And But she's a lazy bitch. Um, she's a class, class, class girl. I idolise my daughter, as dads tend to do, and fanatical Spurs fan. And we're very close. We're like best friends. And she's a great camogie. And uh, she's delighted that he's down there because, as she says, it's all about me now, isn't it? You know, so, <laughs> again, again, you, you know, I, I talk to her about different things, I like, He's a different guy. He, he'll always have to work harder on what he does in life. And I think she'll be a lucky type of person. I think she'll get on in life in a different way. And it's funny the way you look at your children. And her mom and I agree on this. She'll get on in a different way in life. But get on, she will. And once they're healthy, like, I, I don't care really about everything else in my life now. I, I'm in the best place in my life because my children are happy. I love my partner and she's very good to me. And I'm in a great place. And I'm a really happy man. And the things that that's made me happy is uh, is that I've, I've grown to like myself and headspace and all the stuff I look for in my life all the way through. 
none of them were, were, were the tangible things that were actually going to give me the happiness I wanted, which was up here. And I found that, which was peace of mind, has given me a great life now. And it took a long time for me to get it, but I'm enjoying my life like I've never enjoyed it before. And health allows me to do it in the health of my children. And outside of that, stuff is incremental. I'll have to deal with what comes up in life. But once the health is there with my partner, my children, myself, then I can't ask for any more. I'm, I'm a really happy man. Yeah, it sounds like um, Dahi, uh, that Jack and Ellen are in 23. And what age is Ellen? 17? Ellen, was, uh, she's 18 on the 1st 18. of September. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I've won around that go as well. And <laughs> yeah. they, they sound like the 52-year-old Dahi Regan now actually... Uh, they're they're in a good place already, I think. And and uh, you sound, my friend, as if you're in in in, a, in a, an element of zen at the moment. Uh, that I'd love to get to. I'm trying my best always. I don't think you can be far away from it. It's a it's a state of mind, and I, and I look at Gizzy as well, and I look at and I've often spoken Gizzy, back. Gizzy's not even on the mainland, man. He's off he, West he, Kelly. He, he's a you know it's it's, it's like Dignan and I talk. I had this chat out walking with Edel last night, and we talked about you know what your who who your best friends are in life and what friendship is about, and you know this type of conversation and what you can share and all the stuff you go through. I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life and I've done bad, I said bad things. I've done stupid things. I've done stupid things and I made bad decisions and I hurt people along the way and that kind of thing. Not mortally, but, you know, enough that would have caused people pain in their lives and stuff that you regret, but you can't live in the past with it. You know, stuff I'm not proud of, but I've, I've, I've penanced myself on a lot of things I've done and then the people that I've hurt, I've made a point of penancing myself with them to allow me to live, you know, a good life now and, and not look back in the past. And I don't look back in the past at all now. I, I really, really don't look back in the past. And, you know, that's 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 where it's at for me, Dalo. That's where it's at for me. Well, mate, it's been, it's been an absolute privilege for myself and Larry to talk to you this morning, to listen to you, to get your, your you know, your emotional, your... You're complex at times, but you're so uh, you're such a fascinating character for me. I even have begun to enjoy your analysis. While I was a manager, <laughs> I didn't always enjoy it, but I've begun to enjoy that as well. <laughs> where you were just where, where you were around 2010, anti sweeper, anti always, anti everything. Yeah. Now, now even you like where where Davy Fitz is setting up teams. I tell you, that's All a fair right, yeah. turnaround, Dahi Regan. Well, it is. Well, you've got to be able to admit at times when you're wrong. And again, a lot of that would have been reactive kind of stuff. And then I take a team on and I'm playing possession hurling and that type of thing. And I would have been very critical of Davy at times. And I would have been wrong on plenty of times. I think I was right on some, but I think I was bloody well wrong on a lot. And, you know, I would have never a problem in facing that gentleman and saying to him, I, I apologize if I said stuff at times that hurt you because at times I was wrong on what I said. There was times I felt I was absolutely right in, in, in the way teams were set up, and that's our prerogative. I never apologize for that. But when you say stuff and you realize later that that actually can be hurtful, well, then that's wrong. That's wrong. It should never be hurtful. And there's stuff that I have said that would have hurt people. And I, I absolutely in time and would have looked back and said, I, I, I was wrong in that. And Okay, all you can do is learn. And if you learn, well, it's a good thing. But I, I'd have a huge respect. Like, I, I, I mean, what, what I saw with Wexford against Tip last year was bringing it to different levels, but it was all about attacking and confounding and confusing Tip in a really positive way. And you've got to be able to say, yeah, that was a really, really good thing. So whether that guy would ever speak to me again, I mean, I, I don't know. But I, I would have no problem in saying I, I admire the way you're trying to move things on. And 
absolutely you've, you've got you've got to know because you know yourself individually when when you've said stuff that you can convince yourself we can all convince ourselves we're right about stuff but that's putting a kind of a cloak on and 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 living in your own cocoon world and i'm a lot more liberated now when i can look and say i'm happy with the stuff i'm happy with and the principles i have and the way i live my life but i was bloody well wrong on a lot of things that i do regret but i've moved on from them and i hope to god i've learned from them and shame on me if I haven't and I keep repeating them. And you know what? Maybe at a time in the future, I'll, I'll, I'll say stupid things and I'll do stupid things again. But I won't beat myself up about it anymore. Simple as that. It's been a, it's been a pleasure, Larry. I think for this one, we won't make a podcast out of it. We might make a cassette or something like that. or what, <laughs> And we might put it on a little and sell it, this one, as a kind of a, a, a live show. And... Uh, Mr. Regan, um, one thing is um, when we meet, um, uh, whatever date we meet with, with Joe Erity and myself getting together on this now in the next few months, you can cancel that taxi home for half eight. Is that all right for that night? She's still allowed that. She's still allowed that. <laughs> That's Gentlemen, pleasure, real pleasure. Thanks Here. a million. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.